1: episode 143 hey my witches happy holidays this is our last show for 2019 and before talking with my guests today i would like to thank you thank you for being here with me this year and for the last almost three years since we started this podcast you are the reason that i'm here every week talking with the most successful entrepreneurs you can learn from and be inspired by. And you are the reason this podcast is successful. Thank you so much. So, technology, AI, marketing automation, cloud computing versus humanity. It seems like 2020 will reach the highest levels of contravention. Where should entrepreneurs put their $1 for marketing on in 2020? And there is a clear winner for this question. Elon Musk said, Mark my words, AI is far more dangerous than nukes. Mark Schaefer said, The most human company wins. And IDC found that big data and business analytics will surpass 210 billions of dollars. Technology versus humanity. Six of my most successful entrepreneur guests on the Rich or Miss show are leading the changes. Let's hear what they think is the most important of the two. My first guest, Mark Schaefer, said, Marketing is sick right now. It's too tech-centric instead of human-centric. If you don't have customers, you don't have a business. Mark Schaefer, it is a real, real, real great honor for me. Hi.
0: Hello. How are you? The pleasure and honor is mine.
1: I'm so happy you are here. I think there are so many things that our listeners will be able to hear from you. So I'm very happy you're here. And I just shared with our audience what you've done until now. And I would like to ask you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today and where are you heading?
0: Oh, that's always the question, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm a person that, that always looks forward. And so I'm always kind of in a process of, uh, of reinvention. And I think what's really exciting to me now is when I tend to get almost like obsessed with big problems in our, in our business. Yeah. So when I wrote the book, The Content Code, the big problem I was obsessed with is that marketing doesn't work like it used to. Content marketing, the world has changed. We've got to think in a new way. When I wrote Known, my latest book, it was about today to create an effective, powerful, personal brand is really the only sort of sustainable competitive advantage we have. And the question I answered was, can anybody become known? Is is it possible for anybody to become known? And the question I'm wrestling with now is that everywhere I go, marketing seems to be stuck. And there are a few symptoms. Number one, people are overwhelmed by technology. Number two, they're perhaps overusing technology. Or number three, they're stuck in ineffective patterns. I'll give you an example. I'm working with a big Fortune 100 company right now. They created a social media department probably in 2010. And the job of this department was to crank out content for Facebook and other social media channels. And so that is their job and that's what they do. But the world has changed a lot since 2010 and they're not looking up to realize the stuff that they're doing doesn't work anymore. They've got a department, they've got a job. And they're so, so they're, you know, they're chunking this out. And I see that in big companies and small, that maybe they took a class or they went to a workshop or they read a book in 2015 or 2014, and that's kind of how they've created their marketing yeah. efforts. And I can guarantee, you know, almost guarantee you that whatever worked in 2014 isn't working today.
1: For sure. Just take the rules that have changed with Facebook and Twitter.
0: Yeah. So the idea that I have that I've been thinking about and working on is really that. The common theme is that marketing is too tech-centric instead of (laughs) human-centric. We want the marketing easy button. We want that, you know, we want to, you know, do social listening. And we think we can find insight through social listening. We don't want to talk to our customers anymore. We just want to monitor them on Twitter. And... (laughs) we automate everything and we're losing our heart and we're losing our soul and we're losing our way. Marketing is really it's sick right now. It is. It is. I do agree with you. And I'm glad that you agree. That's good.
1: <laughs> I definitely agree with you and I would like to ask you a question which is not usually I don't usually ask. What is marketing for you? How would you define it today?
0: Marketing is it's finding unmet and underserved needs, creating demand for those needs in a unique way, hopefully by establishing an emotional connection. I think that's a key idea today. I mean, not always, because sometimes you just want a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you just need petrol for your car and you don't need to an emotional connection. But I think to establish a brand... Yeah. Instead of just serving a need because you're hungry or you need petrol, um, I think to establish a brand, that usually involves some sort of awareness, some sort of trigger in your heart and your mind. And I think that's the real opportunity today for marketing.
1: I love that. I, I just think that marketing is today not for marketers. There are so many entrepreneurs and startup founders that starts mainly by themselves or there are two or yeah. three, and they should do marketing as well.
0: Well, you're really hitting on a, on a hot button for me because I love working with entrepreneurs and, and startup communities. I, that's, I, just, I just love that energy. But the biggest frustration I have is that marketing is almost always overlooked. Startups and entrepreneurs, they're in love with an idea. They're in love with a business model and they put off marketing. They think, oh, marketing, that's DIY. I can read some blog posts and I can do that. But marketing is about finding and acquiring customers. And if you don't have customers, you don't have a business. Totally. So marketing has to be front and center in your business plan. And that's hard here's my here's my own confession when I was starting my business, which is a marketing business, sure. and I created this business plan. the page in the business plan that stayed blank the longest period of time was the marketing page oh it's it's hard it's really, really hard, but you've got to address it and if you're not a natural marketer, if you're not trained in marketing you've got to get help because marketing really Is is the centerpiece of the business, no matter how good your idea is, no matter how much you're in love with it, if you don't have customers, you're not going to have a business.
1: Sure. Wow. Um, The last 10 years of my career, I've spent with startups and entrepreneurs trying to help them do marketing. And I worked with more than 120 companies, and that's what I'm trying to do. So I thank you so much for this answer. I love that. I want to ask you, what is your best advice for any entrepreneur or startup founder that listen to us? What is the best advice regarding customer approach or customer focus on anything regarding marketing and sales?
0: Well, I'll give you... I'll tell you a little story that I think describes my answer. I was uh, contacted by a young guy who was starting with a company. It was a company in the Midwest, and he said, I'm, I'm really struggling creating a social media and content program for my customer. And I I felt sorry for the guy. He was just out of school, and he wanted to do well. And so I said, well, you know, call me up, and I'll see if I can help you. Hmm. So I said, have you been out to visit your customers? (laughs) He said, no. And he had been at this company for about six months. Whoa. And so, and this tends to be too much of a focus today. People immediately jump to social media. Yeah. It just seems like the thing to do. It just seems like low hanging fruit. That's not marketing. It's not marketing. So I said, you need to get out are there salespeople in your office? He said, yeah. I said, are they out visiting customers? He said, yeah. I said, I want you to go to your boss and tell him that for the next two weeks, you are going to be tagging along with these salespeople Hmm. and you're gonna be talking to customers and I want you to see what are your competitors doing. I want you to talk to your customers and saying, what do you love about your business? What do you hate about your business? What keeps you up at night? Where can we serve you better? Marketing can be about better delivery, sure. different types of pricing, collaborative advertising, end of aisle marketing, in his case. Yeah. It could be about different sizes. It could be about different packaging. That's marketing. It's about, like I said, it's finding those unmet and underserved needs and doing it faster and more effectively than your competitors. Hmm. One of the greatest marketing successes in my career was finding a unique transportation and delivery solution for my customer that kind of blocked out a competitor. Hmm. It meant millions and millions and millions of dollars for my company had nothing to do with social media or blog posts. (laughs) But with the need. We need to take a more holistic view of what marketing really needs today. We need to get back to the heart of what we're trying to do and not be so obsessed with, with social media.
1: And if you have to say it as an advice, what would you advise?
0: Get out and talk to customers. Love that. It'd be the, it'd be the same advice that I gave this young man is that the, the truth, the wisdom, the insights are out there. You just have to be humble enough to go out, ask questions, and learn and listen. And the truth, your marketing plan will come to you, but you just have to go out and ask the right questions and listen.
1: Wow, well, I love that, and of course I agree with that. Jeremiah Gardner. perhaps I'll ask you about the recommended tool. So he said, a cup of coffee with your customers. Go talk ah, with them. Ah,
0: that is beautiful. <laughs> right. I love that. I love that. I'm going to steal that. Okay, you can.
1: <laughs> it's, it's a great answer. I love that. And you can steal it. My next guest is Ramon Ray. Ramon's best advice for entrepreneurial business success is, I'm all about relationships building. I ask Ramon, What is he most passionate about?
2: Sure, absolutely. Great question. Where I'm heading, you know, listen, I I love what I do. In essence, uh, I educate business owners how to start and grow their businesses. I am not a consultant. I am not a coach. But I do my education through the content that we produce through Smart Hustle. So as you may know, Hayut, we have events. We have online content. We have blog posts and articles, podcasts, and et cetera. And then on the other hand, I also work with uh, leading brands, small brands, large brands, and help represent them, add credibility, authenticity to their messaging. So imagine any of the biggest brands in the world may say, Ramon, can you help us create content? Ramon, can you speak at our events? Ramon, can you host some live video? So that's kind of what I do. I have this community of business owners on one hand, and then I also work with brands and help them better reach their audiences. And I love it every single day. And my secret wish, uh, some of your audience may know that Steve Harvey. He's kind of like the Oprah Winfrey, except he's a guy. Yeah. <laughs> so my goal is to have my <laughs> own TV show. Even though TV is quote-unquote dying, wow. I still would love my own TV show on CNBC or CNN or Fox or something. And that's my only goal.
1: <laughs> so I wish that for you and I wish that for us. I'm sure it will be great. And there is something that you said that um, mm. I thought is interesting. A lot of people also, when they're helping other companies and brands, while they're speaking, while they're having their speaking obligations, or when they're speaking, they are doing it for mm. themselves. And you said that you use your speaking as part of the package that you are giving mm. your clients?
2: Correct. Yeah.
1: That's beautiful. How do you do that?
2: I mean. Yeah, and what that is is that, I mean, you have a few different types of speakers, but of course, some speakers may speak uh, for free, as it were, with a hope to get leads, visibility for some future consulting. And that's what many people kind of know speakers as. But as as a professional speaker, as many people call it in the industry, that means a brand may pay me uh, to say, Ramon, we're having an event called the Dell conference, Skype conference, SAP conference, whatever it is, can you host it, can you speak at it, can you represent us? So it's 80% just having fun, kind of what you see me do online, and 20%, 10% sliding in their brand, making people feel good, about the next time they see that brand. So it's not direct advertising, but it's kind of a feel good moment, that's what I do, and why brands like to work with me.
1: And Ramon, tell me about a bit about how did it start and how did you choose doing what you do today?
2: Sure, well, um, since we shared a secret at the beginning and your audience seems very trustworthy, I'll share another secret. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll share maybe a few secrets, but the short of it is, and then I'll get to my big secret, is that I, I, you know, listen, uh, we are who we are. Why did I not become a chef or a painter? I don't know. But for some reason, there is this knack of technology, even as a young age. I was always a tinkerer, computers and things of this nature. So as I became adult, I think that kind of stayed with me. Uh, I quote unquote discovered the internet. Uh, I was a user of Prodigy. I doubt people know Prodigy, maybe AOL, (laughs) you know. In the U.S., we used to get in the mail these three-and-a-half-inch floppy disks all the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that was kind of the age or the era that I was into computers. The 286 computer, one megabyte of RAM or less to give people a time frame. Um, so I'm a geek. Uh, and and... let's,
1: <laughs> as you said, let's admit it. I'm a geek.
2: <laughs> exactly. I'm a geek <laughs> all the way. And technology, of course, has changed. Now computers are more disposable and few people upgrade their hard drive because of online sharing. But the point is is that uh, then I discovered that you could put content online. And I remember now we call it WordPress blogging. I've been blogging since uh, 1991, ninety one-ish, I believe the date is. No, yeah, I think that's the date. Give or take. Yeah, long time. (laughs) Sure,
1: didn't have an internet then.
2: Exactly. Many people, that was the beginning. And I remember saving blog posts, manually uploading them to a server. So my point is that was kind of my early start with computers. Fast forward then, I had a full-time job at the United Nations for some years, and that's the regular United Nations that we all know. Uh, I was working in an office there, and eventually I got fired. Oh. Um, I say fired or resigned. Because of my entrepreneurial journey, um, I had permission to do it at one point, but then the permission was revoked, and so that became some political internal issues. And the point is, that kind of launched me to full-time careers who I am today.
1: Hmm. So it was a good thing.
2: It was indeed. It was a good thing.
1: You know, you are an entrepreneur and you are all over with entrepreneurs. We see each other and I see you in so many places with entrepreneurs and Mm -hmm. also writing about that. And I want to ask you what would be your best advice to entrepreneurs regarding their customer focus or their customers' approach.
2: Yeah, sure. And you can help me, uh, how you t- um, but this is very relevant to a conversation I just had in the past 24 hours as we're taping this now. I was talking with an older lady, young lady, of we'll color, and bottom line is I asked her, I kept asking her, what are you doing to get attention? What are you doing to get leads? What are you doing to convert those leads to customers? She had a very difficult time clearly <laughs> articulating those three things. So that's one half of the equation. Just And again, that's just what I do all day. We can talk about these in depth, but attention, attention attracts to leads, meaning those who are not customers, but they may be, and then converting the leads to customers. So that's one half of what you can talk about. I think the second thing, I had a uh, discussion with Mark Levy, who was Simon Sinek's coach. I was just talking to him yesterday. And it's amazing how he kept driving home what we know already, but the aspect of how are you different? How are you special? So that's the second kind of pillar I say when I think about, customers and marketing. And the last thing I'll put that I do yeah. in my own self that I think is very important is I'm focused on the mm. long-term game. We all need to eat. So if you don't have food or whatever, you just go get food, please drive Uber or, you know, work at Starbucks or whatever you need to do to provide for your family, different story. But if you have some revenue getting in the long-term game, I'm all about relationship building. I would rather be your friend I'd rather get you to know, like, and trust me <laughs> and, wait. and be patient like a cat <laughs> and, and build relationship, nurture the relationship, explore your needs, not to mm-hmm. rush. You, can you hire me? Can you hire me? I'd rather just let's talk. Let's be a friend. Let's meet for coffee. You Follow what I mean. You can take the example however you want. And eventually, if you have the need that I have, we are going to work together, all things being equal. So let me pause there. I've said a lot. But that's kind of the high level, uh, and I'm sure there's more we could say, but a high-level uh, viewpoint I see about marketing and sales, especially today.
1: It is all about relationships. Ramon, there are many things that affect one's success, But I believe that for each of us, there is one thing, one factor, that really affects our success. And I want to ask you. What is one key success factor for you?
2: I think one key success factor for me, Hayut, has been the ability to build genuine relationships with people and let people know, like, and trust me. That is the absolute key to my success. Definitely. Relationships, relationships, relationships.
1: Fantastic. Shama Haider said, The thing that helps me and really motivates me on a daily basis is that I love to contribute. I love to give back. I feel like generosity is a strategy. I love this sentence.
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm I'm passionate about marketing. I've always been passionate about marketing. Uh, And more than passionate, I think now what's interesting is just the amount of experience and how many clients we work with and the campaigns I've run. So it's interesting because I think often when you're starting something, You have more passion than experience right yeah and at some point that experience catches up with that passion hopefully the passion hasn't dwindled but it definitely takes it to a whole another level and and that's how i feel and that's where you know that's where i am right now and running zen media we're very excited for 2020 um there's just so much great stuff on the horizon so yeah i'm really looking forward to all of that
1: show with me a bit how uh, you started with marketing and what are you doing today? And uh, did you always perform as entrepreneur or did you work in organizations before?
3: No, you know, so I
1: started my company right
3: when I was 22, right out of grad school. So I never had a job. Um, Now, you know, it's interesting because part of the not having the job was um, the fact that the you know I the industry didn't exist so people said you know social media what what is digital marketing it was such a new world but another part of it is the U.S. was in quite a bit of recession and so when you have this the recession um, you know jobs are are even more limited and so in in those times I think it's often innovation that that wins the day and uh, and so yeah so that's kind of where you know, I started from, and uh, which is why it makes me very upset when I hear sometimes millennials or even Gen Z say, oh, you know, there's a lack of jobs or opportunities. And I'm just, I I think that's such a cop-out because I
1: feel like there's such an abundance of opportunity. How did you start? What did you do? What did you choose to start with? When you were 22 and decided to go by yourself, which I believe it requires a lot of courage and vision, and strength. I think it's very interesting because actually we have two things that I guess we will talk about them all over the interview. One is being an entrepreneur. The second is all about marketing because I've been in marketing for 33 years and there was such a change. And you're right, there was this recession, but other things happened. Everything is totally different. And you I think, came into this new world, isn't it?
3: Yeah, and you know, this is something that uh, we often say too at Zen Media is that where so many companies were traditional and then they pivoted, the digital language, and it really is a language and in- fluency that's required, has always been very native to us and native to me. Um, I really feel like you know, grew up in the world of tech and communications, and so I love what I do now because I feel like it combines The best of both of those worlds
1: and what are you doing now how do you combine these worlds? yes it's fairly easy to do with
3: my with my company with Zen Media where we work with clients around the world Um, a lot of b2b companies we do you know everything from launches to influencer marketing to digital PR and it's wonderful because day in day out that's exactly what we're doing is combining, um, you know, passions and, uh, and delivering. So every day it's a mix of technology and communication.
1: It's a whole world, isn't it? It's a, it's such a big world, (laughs) but yes. (laughs) As an entrepreneur, what is the best advice you can give to any other entrepreneur that actually it doesn't matter whether it's marketing or something totally different. What advice do you have regarding the customer approach or customer focus?
3: You know, my best advice is to always treat it like it's the beginning, Hayud. And what I mean by that is at certain point in every entrepreneur's career, you hit a point where things become things that were challenging become easier, and you it's very easy to fall into uh, not necessarily a rut but a process of how you do things, mm-hmm. right? And you you sort of, in some ways, become complacent or can become complacent. But more so, I think it's very easy to say, oh, we've always been doing this, you know, once you feel like you were an innovator once. Hmm. And I think it's very important to keep innovating, to keep having that beginner mindset that's excited when every, you know, I think everyone remembers when they got their first customer or client. Hmm. It usually tends to be a moment, right, where we're, where you where it's um seared in the back of your mind, where you just have you remember exactly how it felt, but you know by the time you hit your fiftieth or sixtieth customer or client, that may have faded where keeping that beginner mindset I think allows you to appreciate and celebrate all of it and to treat every customer like they were the first
1: That's fantastic, and I think it's on the one hand treat every customer as they are the first, and on the other end, really look at any customer like there isn't any other one.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and I think people can tell just like when you talk on the phone and, you know, the other person's smiling. Um, And I'm generally a pretty joyful person, so I smile (laughs) quite a bit. And I think people can pick up on that. You know, when you you talk to someone, you can tell whether they're smiling on the other line.
1: Hmm.
3: Um, And it's very much like that. I think customers know where they fall for you in terms of priorities or how important they are or how much you value them.
1: That's right. If I would ask you to give an advice to your customer as a marketer, because first I asked about any entrepreneur out there, and uh, entrepreneurs are so different from each other. But if you, as a marketer, should give all your customers today or in the future an advice, one advice regarding marketing or sales, what would it be? Yeah.
3: That's a great point. So I would say, you know, we live in such a different world that rather than trying to hide, it's better to be as transparent as possible and out-educate your competitors. You know, how you? when I started, I was 22. I didn't have anything in terms of what you're supposed to have when you start a business, which is capital, network, <laughs> yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I didn't have any of those things. And so part of what... I feel contributed to our success was I out educated our competitors. I shared everything, and to this day, if you go to zenmedia.com, if you go to the blog, if you go to shemahider.com, you'll see I share everything. If I'm doing something, I talk about it. I show people how to do it. It's it's not a trade secret, you know. It's not like oh, this Hmm. is the secret sauce. A lot of it does come down to consistency um, and executing and for B2B companies especially, it's very important to be able to out-educate the the marketplace.
1: Hmm, And it's part of being a, a leader, isn't it? Yeah. Educating others. others.
3: It absolutely is.
1: Yeah. I don't know if you had a chance with the little guy that came over to read uh, Mark Schaefer's Marketing Rebellion book, which is excellent. And he's talking about the most human company wins and the need to to touch and to be human yeah it absolutely is and it's important to
3: speak the language of your client you know so it's funny because i for the longest time said it's all h to h it's human to human even the is buying is not hmm. a robotic entity that's a actual business <laughs> you know uh it's a person that yeah. is essentially buying um, that you're selling to, but at the end of the day, you also have to realize that people always want to feel like they're unique or different. So even though you might say, listen, how you market a book is the same as how you market a chair is the same as how you market software. At the end of the day, people want to say, yes, but mine is a little different, right? So from a marketing perspective, if you can speak to that customer, if you can make them feel like, yes, you understand what makes them different. Yes. You understand how you can help. Um, And you speak their language, then I think it makes a big difference.
1: It is. I want to ask you, you know, there are many factors that affect success for each of us, but I do believe that for each of us there is one thing that really helps us to win and to succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor?
3: Wow, that's a good one. Um one key success factor. You know, I would say the biggest factor for me that's always helped and that's motivated me. The thing that motivates me on a day in day out basis, I love to contribute. I love to give back, you know, uh, without sacrificing humility to answer your (laughs)
1: question. Sure.
3: An innate sense of generosity. And I say that from a place where I operate from a place of abundance. Like I feel like there's so much abundance for everybody in the world out there. Um, Hmm. and so for me, that's, that's a big driver, you know, the way I do business, the way I am with my family, the way I feel like has contributed to our success. I think that underlying, just me even telling you about, you know, out educate your competitors, share, give, I feel like generosity is a strategy. You know, it's hard if you don't have it already, but I certainly feel like in my case, that's been a key factor in being able to grow the company and being able to do what we do and it just, which is just to be able to give without expectation and being able to help people.
1: It's beautiful. It's beautiful because actually all today's uh, business out there is about giving and about sharing and about being open. But if it's not really from the heart, if it's not part of your generosity, I think it, it, it becomes much tougher. It's, much, uh, it's very hard to give or to share if you're not uh, feeling like that. So I think it's a wonderful key success factor. Also in life, not only in in the business life. As you said, Yeah, hard to give what you don't have. And we have so much. Now, let's hear the technology entrepreneurs. Melissa Smith said, Always learn, have a mentor, be open to feedback, and be brave enough to take a risk innovate, and invest in technology to become better at what you are doing. Melissa Smith made a shift from being an an agency owner to be a startup owner. Melissa Smith, what a pleasure to have you here. Hi.
4: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
1: Oh, I'm so happy to have you here. And I just shared what you've done with my listeners and I would like to ask you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today and where are you heading?
4: Awesome. Well, that's a great question. I'm one of those people that is very, very passionate about a lot of things right now and how I've spent most of my day today is with one of my little startups called Robotic Marketer. Um, About four years ago... Um I decided to invent this robot to help clients optimize their marketing departments and um today I found out that a company is buying 10,000 marketing strategies from us over wow. the next 12 months so as you can imagine I'm super excited sure. um, but also a little exhausted
1: at the thought oh. because as you <laughs> But you must tell me what is this robotic marketing
4: Yeah it it's a AI and software robotics um, program that writes marketing strategies without a human. So what would normally take a marketing manager, you know, two or three weeks or even longer to do market research and competitor analysis and come up with a marketing strategy literally takes the software 28 minutes. So um, it's a pretty awesome piece of technology. It's the first in the world. Um, and it's, you know, the uptake of this software has been enormous.
1: Did you program it? Did you just write it? Did you invented it? (laughs) What? It it sounds so exciting. (laughs) And I don't, of course, I'm a marketer. I'm a strategy person. I can't believe it works. I know that we have to put all our efforts, but I know the technology can work. Yeah, definitely.
4: I um, had this amazing experience of running uh, my company, Marketing Eye, for the past 15 years. Yeah. And what's been most interesting about that journey is the fact that so many marketers come and work for us and they have so much enthusiasm and so much excitement about marketing. But when they go down to the nuts and bolts of marketing, they get a bit you know, frazzled to say the least. Um, Marketing strategies are not that easy to write. And what happens typically, I'm sure in your experience over the years, marketers tend to be strong in two or three different areas of marketing, but it's very hard for them to be strong across the entire marketing mix. Right. And what we found was, you know, marketers were leaving us within the first three months of working for us because they just couldn't write a marketing strategy. And it's so much part of the role here at Marketing Eye, okay. that it became a huge problem. We had a huge staff turnover and we couldn't guarantee that the same quality marketing strategies were going out to every client. Oh. So I thought, this is a real problem. This is something I absolutely need to solve. And so I literally sat down for two weeks and wrote how a marketing, um, auto, an automated marketing robot would actually work. Um, and how it would develop marketing strategies without a human. And I passed that on to a development team, and we developed the technology. Wow. Um, And today it's live, so it's pretty fantastic.
1: When did you launch it, the new AI software? Um, It's
4: not officially launched because we have been beta testing it, believe it or not, for the last 12 months. Okay. And in that time, we've really gained um, a lot of attraction from really large corporations who have said you know we want to try that technology we want to be early adopters we Mm -hmm. want to be part of that journey and so from there it's just you know gone so fast with the number of companies that have come on board you know as I said 10,000 in 12 months I don't know too many companies doing that. It's
1: incredible yeah it's incredible but however, I must ask you, it seems like the perfect tool for entrepreneurs. Can entrepreneurs afford it or can they work with such a thing?
4: Definitely. You know, I suppose in your experience, what would you say a marketing strategy
1: would cost a company? Oh, when I did marketing strategy, it costed quite a lot a few thousand dollars or even a few ten thousand dollars. <laughs>
4: It definitely does. It, <laughs> it, you know, normally a marketing strategy, well, a quality one, would be over $10,000. Yeah. And so what we look to do is the fact that we're using technology and we can obviously do them a lot faster and more efficiently than if a human was doing it, um, we're selling them for $1,950. Now, it's a 40-page-plus comprehensive marketing strategy that is aligned to your business goals it has every area of marketing that your company would need to do to achieve those goals so it's a very high quality blueprint for the marketing activations you need to do over a 12 month period and it's affordable to everyone so you know when we open it up to the broader market it the uptake will be very high i would imagine
1: well wow. do entrepreneurs can use it do they have enough experience and knowledge to put what the software needs in order to prepare a good marketing strategy?
4: So, what we have is a workshop line which has a marketing manager at the other end, um, and in which our robot is actually learning from that marketing manager at the same time. So, really, over the next couple of years, there'll always be a human involved in the data input. Yeah. Um, so, because it is very much garbage in, garbage out. Hmm. If you don't put effort into what you put into the technology, you can't expect the technology to you know, produce something of a high quality.
1: Is that allowing you today, with this person that will be involved, to work with, to need less people to do the marketing strategy? and to focus only on those who really know how to do that. And they are working with the software. I'm asking whether you are working with that as well in your organization?
4: Do I use Robotic Marketer and technology in general? Yes.
1: For your own agency?
4: So what the strategy actually allows us to do is um, go to market faster for clients. Now, to write a marketing strategy usually takes you know, weeks or months to achieve. Yeah. Um, with the technology, it's 28 minutes. So wow. what happens is with our agency, our, we do a marketing workshop and in 28 minutes after the workshop, the output is a marketing strategy. And literally, we can you know, set up the next day and start implementing that strategy, which is really quite powerful for companies, particularly, as you know, most companies come and knock on your door and ask for marketing when it's too late or, you know, when they needed it yesterday. so
1: (laughs) Definitely. Of course, of course. I do that myself when I'm the client. So
4: (laughs) from that perspective, you know, it actually helps us be a better agency. It helps us retain our staff. It helps us give a better quality product to our client that's consistent. And it helps our clients connect more with their customers in a more meaningful way.
1: So who are your customers today? Is it still only big organizations? Or are you uh, actually approaching everyone? So our
4: clients today are small to medium-sized businesses. but. Okay. I would just define that with um, a two million revenue to 200 million revenue. Makes sense.: um, And they, largely they don't have marketing departments, so they're looking to outsource their marketing department. They're not looking to increase the headcount internally. Okay. Um, they know that just a marketing manager is not going to be enough for their company. Um, they need someone who's good at PR. They need someone who's good at content. They need someone who's good at graphic design and web and digital. And with our model as an outsourced marketing department, they're actually able to achieve that. Um, so our company's actually grown a lot faster and, and in a lot smarter way, actually, um, than it could have ever done before. Because we have technology that actually powers that.
1: So actually, you became from a marketing agency CEO or manager and business owner to an entrepreneur, isn't it? Inventing a new technology. Yeah.
4: So my journey is quite interesting. I was in a global position for a technology company at 25 years of age. Okay. And I got tapped on the shoulder by a big corporation who said, you're 25 years of age, Melissa. You're good enough to be in this position. How about you start your own company? Oh. And I'll give you your first account. And Hmm. so I started an agency called Insomnia, which still exists today, um, but it's a typical ad agency. And, you know, five years later, I was nearing a big milestone being my 30th birthday. Hmm. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm 30 soon. um, I'm going to need to be getting married and having children. (laughs) Sure. Um, (laughs) What am I going to do about that? And basically I came up with the concept of Marketing Eye so that I could build a company that didn't rely on me personally being the brand.
1: So smart.
4: Yeah, and you'll notice with a lot of agencies, the smaller boutique-style agencies, the owner really is important to the business, and if they got hit by a right. bus, the business would actually close. Oh, so yeah, oops. <laughs> um, but big thing about um, marketing eye is if something happened to me or if I stopped working in the business, it would not affect the business at all. And I was able to wow. build that because I looked at the business a lot differently. I created a situation where. People were engaged with the brand, so rather than individuals within the company. Yeah. And, you know, it's allowed us a global brand in outsourced marketing departments. So that's been really important to us in our journey. And from that learnings of, you know, 15 years of writing marketing strategies, um, we were able to create machine learning for the technology. So a problem which existed in Marketing Eye became our solution for Marketing Eye, but also it became our most successful
1: company. Sure. As I told you before, and as my listeners know, I've been always imagining this marketing thing that I've been doing 32 years as climbing a mountain step after step after step and first building the awareness and then the trust and then building the brand in the mind of the consumers and once we get the peak there is a new mountain to climb and suddenly i was affected with mark sheffer's book but known but suddenly i decided to ask my guests and that's what i'm asking you whether you ever climbed the mountain or wished to climb a mountain. Oh, do you have any relationships with mountains at all?
4: Well, I haven't climbed any significant mountains and I look at people that do and I think they're amazing. Um, but I would have got bored in the first couple of hours. Um, I certainly do a go up mountains to ski. So it's always on a lift. So that doesn't really count either. But I suppose I have a business mountain that I'm looking to conquer. Um, you know, I never thought it was possible and it was never my dream and when it became closer to a reality, it made me think differently and, and that is um, quite an interesting goal um, and it's to have a, a business with a $1 billion market cap and, oh. you know, it's really something that I'd never thought about before because it wasn't in my realm but with this technology company, all of a sudden things have changed Um, Just to put it in perspective, you know, climbing that mountain for us to get a billion dollar market cap is literally only 100 (gasps) strategies a day. Wow. So to be. Wow.
1: It's such a brave, but also a very, um, very exciting mountain because it means that you really believe you can get there. And wow, it sounds terrific.
4: Yeah, you've just got to be able to break, when you're climbing a mountain, you've got to break it down into small bits and being able to break it down to 100 strategies a day, if we could do that every single day, that's all we need, um, really helps us get to that top. And really, it's not about the money figure, it's just about, you know, what is a goal that you could potentially have and we came up with it together as a team um, and we're really focused on it um, in a good way. Um, If we don't reach it, then it's not going to be the end of the world, but it's certainly something to look forward to. Wow. I love that.
1: My next guest is Kevin L. Jackson, the cloud computing expert. And he said, it's all about information and about knowledge. You have to know people to communicate with them. Cloud computing is a platform for collecting information and delivering information. Kevin L. Jackson, what a pleasure to have you here. Hi. Well, thank you very much, (laughs) Hayut. It is a pleasure. I'm so happy you're here. And you have so many interesting things that I want to ask you about. I just shared with my audience what you've done until now. And I would like to ask you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today? And where are you heading? Well, great. Well, thank you
5: again for having me on your show. So I started GovCloud Network up 2013, because after retiring from the US Navy, I worked as a corporate executive for, for many, many years. And during that time, I grew my expertise in applying advanced technology to seemingly intractable business challenges. Yeah. That often led to the development of Novel internet based information brokerage businesses models that would interact with mobile devices. Because I was doing a lot of work with the military and with the government and the intelligence community. And, you know, they had, you know, they were like the only people that had these large global networks hmm. and had the money and the urgency to actually build and deploy the solutions that I was thinking of. But eventually wow. but eventually all that turned into cloud computing and, and my ideas became commercially viable. Hmm. So after I was repeatedly urged to start my own business, I started GovCloud Network in twenty thirteen as sort of like being an industry partner uh, capable of providing integrated social media and cloud computing and cybersecurity consultancy. And this was targeted to organizations that wanted to leverage advanced technology.
1: You talk a lot about the cloud Mm -hmm. as a place for business. And I want to try to understand how do you differ it from you know, the cloud that you're only using in order to have a wider place for online or to storage your things. What is right. the difference? What is this business thing about your cloud? <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, actually, it's all about information, as I talked about a second ago. Today, everything is about knowledge. You have to know people. You got to communicate with people. And the largest businesses on earth are about identifying information sources and information sinks. Hmm. For instance, the largest taxi cab company in the world is Uber, and they have no physical cars.
1: Right, Right, right.
5: They find people that need a ride. And they identify people that were willing to give a ride. And that's an information exchange.
1: Definitely. That's right.
5: It's, it's an information brokerage. Mm. So what I saw, I was doing that for the military with respect to knowing where the enemy was, uh, knowing where resources were and having people that need to know information connecting with people that knew the information.
1: Did you deal with intelligence in the military, or you took it from another angle?
5: No, I was in intelligence. I actually sure. I was a a carrier pilot in the Navy, and I flew E2Cs, or Hawkeyes. And oh. in doing that, uh, my job was managing the battle space and it was managing information. <laughs> that's, hmm. that's what I did. So when you look at business, it's information about what your customers and clients need and where they could get that information. And cloud computing is a platform for collecting information and delivering information. So all of the new business models are really information models. Mm. And we are moving from a physical business world to a virtual business world.
1: Yeah, it's not only the business world. Today we are living in both the physical and the virtual, not only with the business world. We are there all over.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And things like social media. That's that's information exchange, and it's the platform that social media rides on—Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn—is a cloud computing platform. Mm -hmm. If you think about banks, the largest bank in the world is a virtual bank, Uh, PayPal, that's built on top of a cloud. Uh, So, uh, we think about a uh, blockchain, a uh, Bitcoin. Yeah. Bitcoin is built on top of a cloud and it's all about managing information and managing data.
1: I think it's such an interesting point of view because first of all, you're talking about PayPal and Facebook and, and Google and it's uh-huh. right, there are cloud, but nobody called it cloud back then. It was like, <laughs> this is right. the internet, but uh, yeah. It's very interesting the way you see that. And you're talking about the information. I mean, if you would ask me about Facebook before I talked with you, I wouldn't talk about only the information. I, I would talk about the need to share and the ability to share, perhaps. And, uh, but you are right. It's all about sharing information. <laughs>
5: exactly. And your ability, I mean, your podcast, for instance. Yeah. It gives you the ability to reach out to millions, but you can do it in a parallel fashion and you don't even need to be there. That's right. You record the podcast once, you are creating information. Then you distribute that information to millions, leveraging the power of the internet. Always, and that power is cloud computing. Always Mm. say, it's leveraging the global and parallel nature of cloud. That's what makes you successful as an entrepreneur.
1: Hmm. First of all, thank you. And yes, that's exactly what we are doing. I would call it content, but it is information. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, And you are an entrepreneur yourself, because actually, I really think you are inventing, you didn't invent the cloud, but you're inventing well, the way you offer us to look at it which I think is very interesting.
5: Yeah, well, one of the things is that many organizations, large and small, and even entrepreneurs, don't really know how to leverage information in their position as an information broker. They're large companies. They have a lot of content, as you said, but they didn't see how to leverage Social media, for instance, to establish and maintain a dialogue with their customers. Hmm. So they didn't think about using social media as a conduit for their own information.
1: You mentioned large and small organizations. Who are your customers? Who are you working with?
5: So uh, today we're proud to partner with many global leaders like. AT&T and Dell, Ericsson, Bosch out of Germany, Citrix and IBM. Wow. But the common driver for all of them is how to become or maintain their industry leadership. It's been really lucky for us that advanced solutions that they need like blockchain, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and the fifth generation telecommunications sure. called 5G. They all have cloud computing and cybersecurity as foundational elements. And we're just lucky that that's our expertise.
1: <laughs> You're not just lucky, you probably were, you were very clever to adopt this expertise. And my last but not least guest for twenty nineteen is Reza Goodin. Reza said, in less than a year, I became number two in the market. It happened because I was partnering with a platform for marketing automation. Reza Goodin. What a pleasure to have you here and to talk with you again. Hi.
6: Hi, hi, Hyut. Lovely to be here as well. Thank you for asking me to join you today on your podcast.
1: Of course, it's a great pleasure. Actually, we met at the Women International Day, isn't it? Yes. You organized some very impressive event, mm-hmm. but you also have a unique story because you were working from more than one continent, isn't it?
6: Yes, yes, exactly. So yeah, I'm originally from Trinidad and Tobago, Yeah. which is in the Caribbean, but I moved to Israel 12 years ago. So of course, love brought me here. So you know, we women we follow mm. men all across the world. So <laughs> I'm here 12 years now. And uh, yes, I've worked both in the Caribbean, I've worked with the US as well. And I've worked in London and now in Israel. <laughs>
1: That's fantastic. And I just shared with our audience what you've done until now. I would like to ask you, what are you doing and most passionate about today? And where are you heading?
6: Yes, for sure. So originally, I started off my career in statistics because this is what I studied at university. So back in the Caribbean, I was actually a statistician for my government helping them actually do crime statistics.
1: Yeah.
6: But when I moved to Israel, I was like, how do I translate those skills? And the closest thing that allowed me to use both my skills in statistics as well as my English was marketing. Hmm. So I got involved in marketing. I did it for eight years doing sort of like more in-store marketing. So I worked with brands like Motorola and Apple doing all of their in-store marketing throughout the world. So whenever they were launching a new product or something like this, we would help come up with the concept for what the in-store launch should look like. But then after eight years of doing this, I saw more and more the shift and the need for startups in Israel to get online. So I shifted my focus to do more digital marketing and online marketing. Hmm. So I became a specialist in that by really getting on board with HubSpot, which is one of the leading marketing automation software platforms. Yeah. So I did a lot of their certifications and I did a lot of just self-study, basically reading and following a lot of the people you've interviewed here before, like Mark Schaefer, (laughs) you know, and all of these leaders in marketing, Seth Godin, Gary Vaynerchuk and stuff. And as I learned what it took to grow a brand and grow a business online I translated those skills by working with agencies. So for the last five to six years, I've worked primarily in agencies, and then I started my own agency two years ago.
1: Oh, and this is? Cacao Media. Cacao Media. Okay. And that's good. And what are you focusing on today? Is it still the digital marketing? Yes, yes. So
6: we focus on digital marketing, but we focus mostly on marketing automation. So because we are part of the agencies for HubSpot, It means that we help startups who decide to use HubSpot as their CRM and marketing automation platform. So we help onboard them, we help train them, and we help, for some instances, manage the systems for them. Because as you know today, online marketing is not just a one-man show. It takes many hands because there's so many things to do today In terms of, you know, PPC, marketing, automation, email marketing, landing pages. So there's so much to do that it's mostly like inefficient for any one person to do it anymore. So we generally come in and support VPs of marketing or even in some startups, they don't even have a marketing team just yet. So they would use our services until they actually bring in in in-house help and then we train them and get them on board. So what was done so far
1: and do you mainly work with startups today
6: yes we do mainly work with startups but we are also tending to work with a lot of traditional companies because more and more companies say it's so shocking that there's so many companies that have existed successfully mind you for 10s and 20 years and they just they just use excel sheets so we're trying to get them (laughs) I'm bored like you know Excel sheets are really good and I get A lot of pushback still because they're like why do I need a CRM? Why do I need a marketing automation platform when my Excel sheets were serving me very well? I know. So there's a lot of education to be done in the market, helping these traditional companies understand the value of putting these things in a technical software. So we, we work with both traditional and um, startups today.
1: Actually, it's very interesting because I hear this issue about Excel sheet, of course. You know, this is all about entrepreneurs and mainly about how to focus on doing business and succeeding in business. And that's what you are doing for many years. And I want to ask you, what would be your best advice to any entrepreneur or any startup founder that listening to us right now regarding customer focus or approaching your customers or everything that has to do with marketing? Sales, although marketing isn't such a popular word anymore, so we, don't, uh, we yes. don't need to use that, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So
6: first, I want to answer this particular question in three parts, if sure. you don't mind. The first part is really understanding when you need a CRM or marketing automation platform. Because as you've said rightfully, that many companies have succeeded without it, and they think it's okay and it's, it works well for them. So when it is at a time, you should really consider it because most of these platforms are not cheap. This is why a startup who's just in the idea stage and hasn't really raised funds, it's not the best time to get it because the investment is high. Most platforms run in between $800 to $2,000 a month, and you are expected to sign a yearly contract. So you have to have minimum $10,000 ready to go in order to maintain this platform. And then you have to think about the personnel you have to hire to do it. So at what stage should you really want to consider having this platform is when you actually have a need of reaching multiple audiences in multiple destinations, and also your team is also placed in in different locations. So for example, most startups here based in Israel, their target audience is always United States or Europe, and they will always hire a salesperson in any of those locations to try to reach the market faster. But what is happening now without a system means that you have to be on the phone like twice a week with your salespeople understanding who are they talking to, what are they doing. They don't have a systematic way really of getting real-time information about what are the activities of those salespeople every day. So, and in my experience being a non-Israeli, I know Israelis love that control, and I guess most (laughs) entrepreneurs want that level of control. So they want to know that what they're paying you to do that you're actually doing. So besides always picking up that phone and having to always ask that question, you can have a system that readily gives you that information so you can see immediately at the end of each day how many calls or emails that salesperson made, who were they in contact with, and most importantly, when they are not in contact with somebody, you think they should be in contact with Because sometimes you spend money going to events or you get leads and you pass it on to the salesperson and you're not sure if they really spoke to them or not. So this system allows you, first of all, to track all of these things, but you must have some level of traction first before, as I said, before wanting to invest in it. On the other side, once you've already decided to, okay, let's go, I'm in a stage where I want it. Now there are two other considerations you must think of. Like one time right now, I'm in a particular startup who is, they got investment, but they really have no online content. They have a website, but they don't have any blogs. They don't have any landing pages of gated content. They don't have any real online assets to get leads coming in and checking out something besides four website pages. So they get frustrated because they bought HubSpot now and they're not ready to use it until at least four months down the road because they have to build this level of content. So again, I say to them, You probably won't ready right now to buy HubSpot, but you do need this time to set things up so you understand what you want to collect from those leads. So if you don't have a definite content plan where you know you're going to have content assets in a specific time period, then don't buy HubSpot or any marketing automation platform just yet because you need time to build those assets. You need to understand what you want and what what is your exact timeline to really get those assets in place.
1: So, technology versus humanity. Who wins? Where should you, entrepreneurs, put your $1 for marketing your business in 2020? Remember, I promised you there is a clear winner? There is. I found this battle fascinating and a must for successful entrepreneurs. You should consider both. But yet, there is a clear winner. Not by my judgment, but by the judgment of our technology experts. When I asked Reza Goodin what her key success factor, her answer was, I think it's my ability to be charismatic and personable. I get along very well with everybody. I don't judge people. I give everything and everyone a chance. This is probably my biggest strength and my superpower. And Melissa Smith's best advice to entrepreneurs is to make sure you put the customer first. The most important piece of advice for any entrepreneur, Melissa told me, is to understand the purpose of the customer's business and what the market really needs. And Kevin L. Jackson, the cloud computing expert, key success factor was, The answer might surprise you. It's my three children that taught me what the important things in life are and that you can never stop being a parent. When I take it to business, it is never to forget your business partners and never stop thinking about helping your clients. So, when the most technological guys among my successful entrepreneurial guests say their winning factor in their entrepreneurship is being human, it means humanity won. Of course, the technological revolution is bigger than any other revolution humankind went through. And it's what allows all of us entrepreneurs to succeed today. However, as long as we are serving human beings, humanity always wins. I wish you all, my witches, a wonderful year and to reach your hopes, challenges and dreams in 2020. See you next year, next week. Bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye.